Hey, this is Ashlyn Beagley, and you are listening to All My Life, a podcast all about what it really means to follow Jesus and make disciples. Because once we have encountered the living God and been set free from our sin, everything else radically shifts for all of our life. I would dare to say that every woman would benefit from listening to this conversation and calling out the shame in her life. Ladies, Satan wants your shame to stay hidden and rooted inside of you because he knows how powerful it is. We are here to wage war against shame by identifying it in our lives, calling it out, and finding a spiritual solution for it, not a temporary quick fix. You are so loved, you are so worthy of freedom, and you have the invitation to join Sarah and me in this conversation today, and then to join Jesus in the sweetness of freedom from the bondage of shame. We've split this episode into two parts for you because it is a deep dive, and we want you to get the most out of this. So take your time, go back and listen to parts again, and share this with other women who feel flawed or damaged from shame. Alrighty, let's jump into it. Hey ladies, welcome back to the podcast. Today we are having a much needed conversation about shame. And I'm here with Sarah Davis from my home church in Enid. Sarah, thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. So today we're actually recording two episodes over shame. The first one is going to be all about naming shame, identifying shame, what does shame actually look like and feel like in our lives. Um, And because I think that shame is something that every woman struggles with to an extent. And so we're really going to identify that today. And then the second episode will cover, okay, how do we actually find freedom from shame, how do we move forward? So it's split into two parts for you guys. But I'm so excited for this conversation and to address this topic because a year ago, Sarah, you did a women's um, Bible study, a women's brunch here at the church, and it was on shame. And I came in thinking, oh, I don't have a problem with shame. I don't struggle with shame. But the truth was that I actually didn't know what shame was. Um, And you spoke on it, and I ended up having to hold back tears. And then afterward, I read the book that you went off for a lot of it, um, which is Shame Interrupted by Edward T. Welch. And I can now say that that's one of the two books that I've read that has actually changed my life. So I'm so excited to share this with other women. I am so passionate about the subject now. And you are so passionate about it. And you're really knowledgeable on the subject. So to jump right in, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself, who you are, and your heart behind sharing on shame. Sure. Well, I think you probably oversold me. I'm definitely not (laughs) an expert. Um, But I, so I am a mom of two young children. I am a wife to a pilot and I have a background in counseling. Mm -hmm. So I worked for, I've worked in a lot of different jobs in social work and specifically doing mental health counseling with women. Um, And most of my therapy experience was working with women with a lot of trauma and where there's trauma, it it breeds shame. Mm -hmm. So um, 
yeah, so I gained some experience in that as a counselor, but I've also spent a good amount of time on the other side of the counseling couch or chair or wherever mm-hmm. you're sitting um, in therapy myself. And especially in the last few years, um, I feel like God has been opening my eyes to shame in my life and yeah. kind of walking me through healing in that. Um, because similar to you, I don't know that a few years ago I would have said that I struggled deeply, deeply with shame. Um, but in looking a little deeper and gaining more understanding of what it is and where it shows up in our lives, seeing that really um, it was the driving force behind a lot of conflict that I had um, mm-hmm. in my life. So. I am not an expert. I'm definitely (laughs) still in the middle of kind of uncovering and healing and working through that stuff. But I feel passionately, like you said, about it because it's it's something that traps a lot of us. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And that's so powerful. So thank you so much for being here again Um, to kind of lay the foundation. Why would you say that it's actually so important to give shame a name and actually know what it is in our lives? Well, I think that, I mean, on a really simple level, we can't deal with a problem if we can't identify it. So understanding what shame is and what it looks like and how it shows up in different parts of our lives is really important because, yeah, you you can't deal with a wound if you don't really have a name for it or a way to deal with it. That's so true. I, oh my gosh, yes. Um, (laughs) So we know it's important to identify it. Can you actually identify what is shame? Can you give us kind of a definition for that? And also, can you go a little bit into what is the difference between shame and guilt? Because I know walking into that um, women's brunch, that women's Bible study a year ago, I had in my head that shame and guilt were the same thing. And I thought, well, I don't struggle with guilt really. Um, so I don't struggle with shame. So can you go into that a little bit as well? Yeah. Um, I'm really grateful for researchers like Brene Brown, who a lot of us have heard from and heard Mm -hmm. parts of her work because she, in the last several years has brought the idea of shame kind of into more general conversation and made it easier to talk about because she's given us really good words about what shame is. And so she says that shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we're flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And then Ed Welch is the other person that you've talked about who wrote this book, Shame Interrupted. Um, And he said his definition, really similar, but I think they're good distinctions. He says, shame is the deep sense that you're unacceptable because of something you did, something done to you, or something associated with you. You feel exposed and humiliated. You feel disgraced because you acted less than human. You were treated as if you were less than human, or you were associated with something less than human. And there are witnesses to that. Mm. Those are so, those are both so deep. I'm just sitting here like, I feel like we need to take, take a pause and chew on that because those are really deep and really heavy. And you were talking about the feelings, like shame is a feeling. And so feeling exposed and unworthy and flawed Mm -hmm. to the extent that you really feel like you do not belong, you are not worthy of love. And there's something like deeply and seriously wrong with you because of something you've done or because of something done to you or something that you're associated with. So we're really going to dive into that. Um, 
Yeah, it's not shallow waters it's when not. you start talking about this shame. Is, this is deep. Um, and you also talked about, or did you mention, um, you feel so wrong, but you don't know why a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important to identify shame. And I remember having a conversation with my aunt, Kim Day, like maybe the day before coming to this um, brunch that I've been referring to where you taught on shame. And I literally remember sitting on her couch and was like, I feel like almost dirty or mm-hmm. just like there's this gross feeling. And I it's it's like it's guilt, but it's not because I don't know. I can't pinpoint what I would feel guilty about, but I just feel wrong and I don't know why. And then it was like the Lord gave me this and he's like, this is why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so being able to identify that, I'm so excited to be able to show women how to do this. Um, and Also, something that Edward T. Welch talks about in his book is that all it takes is nothing from the right person sometimes. Um, No words, no interest, no love, just from one specific person. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be something that someone did to you or something that you did. It can be the lack of. And I think that for me in my life, that was definitely a big area of shame um, from one specific person. And so what has shame looked like specifically in your life, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, well, I want, I do want to backpedal just one second yeah. because you've mentioned guilt a couple times mm-hmm. and I didn't talk about the difference between them. Oh, and yeah. I think it's really important because guilt is the feeling or the knowledge that like you have done something wrong. It's yeah. about your actions and your choices. Whereas shame, it, it may have to do with guilt, actions and choices that you've done, but shame is really the sense that you are wrong. So it's more about your identity than it is about your behavior. Yeah. Thank you for backing up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we needed that um, because I think that's such an important distinction and a distinction that we don't often make. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what would you say, how do you, how have you seen shame show up in your life specifically? It's shown up in all sorts of ways. (laughs) Um, When I was younger, I struggled for many years with depression Mm. um, and shame went right along with that. Partly shame that I couldn't get over it myself. Like, do Mm. I have reason to feel this bad about my life? Why can't I just be better and feel better? But also just the shame of depression itself, you know, just that feeling of worthlessness and hopelessness that's kind of the voice of shame too that perpetuates it in some ways um again as a younger woman I felt shame about my body about not being the right shape or size or just not fitting into other standards that I Mm. thought I should meet of what I should look like or what beauty was um, and so feeling really, yeah, ashamed of how I looked and that my yeah. body was wrong. I think that that is the case for so many women. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the um, podcast series that's going to come out right after these two episodes is going to be all about body image and all of that. So I'm super excited to get into that, especially following the episode on shame. But yes, I think so many women are going to appreciate you saying that just now. Um Sorry, I cut you off a little bit, but you're good. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a lot of us. That's a lot of us. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we've talked about how shame and guilt can definitely be related, but we have to distinguish the two. I remember you also talking a lot about shame and sin, because we know that being in bondage to something and feeling shame has to do with sin because of the sin in the world. So how would you say that those two things relate? 
Yeah. Um, well, if we look at scripture and we look way back at the very beginning, Genesis 3, we see when sin enters the world, when yeah. Adam and Eve disobey God by eating the fruit. Um, and I'm just going to read a little of that. But Genesis 3, 7 through 10, this is after they've eaten the fruit. It says, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So the language that's used there is really like kind of describing the feelings of shame yeah. that like I there's something wrong with me now and God is going to see it and I have to hide. Mm. Um, and so I I want to be clear that feeling shame is not sin. Right. It's a feeling and mm -hmm. feelings are not necessarily sinful, but the feeling of shame and sin, I think are really intertwined in a way because when we are in our sin, shame kind of is our reality. Like yeah. we are disconnected from God. We are unable to help ourselves. We are contaminated by sin which is kind of the way that shame makes us feel that we're contaminated or dirty or yeah, cut off in those ways. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I loved how you said that shame itself, feeling shame over something is not necessarily sin, but it's definitely a result of sin and tied mm -hmm. to sin. And you talked about Adam and Eve hiding, um, literally hiding from God so I would love to talk about um, hiding a little bit. How would you say we most often hide because of our shame, um, hiding before God, hiding before other people? Um, I think that that, was, that is something that would be really good to dive into. Even hiding behind a mask, what would you say maybe in your life or that you've seen in women's life, um, how, do, how do we hide in that? Yeah, so for me, um hiding my shame often looks like perfectionism mm -hmm. and like leaning really hard into overcompensating for the areas that I am lacking or like feel like I should be better at or yeah. so that those areas where shame creeps up that says like, you should be a better mom, you should be a better wife. So I'm going to do all I can to be perfect in the areas that I can to yeah. kind of make up for that lack. I think shame drives us to either this like desperate striving and perfectionism and like you said, putting on a mask of everything's okay, or it can swing the other way of just this resignation of, well, yeah, I am worthless. So why bother trying or doing mm. anything and kind of sitting, sitting in the pit yeah, too. Definitely two extremes. Um, I think that I have had moments at both ends mm -hmm. um being like oh you know what like I am worth it like I do not belong here and just sitting in that but then more often I would say I kind of swing the other way and like you said overcompensating I am a huge like accomplishments girl and I think that in a lot of ways even though it definitely can be a very good thing to accomplish things and it can be so honoring to the Lord. It can also be a big mask. Um, 
and I'll just like rejection for me is something that is probably the biggest fear in my life. And whenever you so fear rejection, you can really um, look at your accomplishments to like counteract that almost. Mm -hmm. And that comes from shame. And so you talked about um, that end of the spectrum, just trying to overcompensate and do everything and have this mask on. And it's kind of the idea of legalism. Mm -hmm. Um, So what would you say is the opposite of that? We have the two ends of the spectrum. So where should, where are we supposed to land? Where are we called to land in this? And how do we get out of those, those pits? Well, uh, well, if legalism is that attempt to earn or maintain or prove our worthiness in some way, either before God or before other people, um, then receiving grace is the opposite of that. Mm. Receiving grace is acknowledging that like, I actually am not enough. I can't fix this myself. I can't heal myself. um, And I need God to do it for me. And so it's open-handed versus this desperate, like clawing and striving. Mm. There's a song that we sing at Sojourn called Grace Alone. And one of the lines in it is, I worked my hands down to the bone, but nothing, nothing I did could ever atone. Something along those lines. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, And that's just that picture of that, to me, that striving of like. And it's so, it's so desperate. And so, like you said, the opposite of that is receiving the grace that's actually already readily available for us. So I would love to, we're going to go into that, I know, more in the second episode with this. But we also talked, you also addressed um, trying to manage these feelings on our own. That would kind of go along with desperate striving. But you said part of receiving grace is actually realizing, you know what, I actually am not enough. I actually can't do this on my own. And so what what is the problem with trying to manage all these feelings of shame actually on our own? Mm-hmm. I think the problem is that that's the best we can do is manage the feelings on our own. Like we, like I said, we're not enough. And Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to be very clear about that because that's something like you see it on shirts and cups and mugs and everything. Like (laughs) you are enough. I am enough. And so when I say you're not enough, I am not saying that like you need to work harder or meet some standard of beauty or productivity or worthiness. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I'm saying in like, you're not enough is that self-sufficiency was never God's goal for you. Like he never meant for you in yourself to be enough to meet every need that you have. He designed you to need himself and to meet the people in your life. Like we need community. And so like, I find freedom in knowing that I'm not enough because God never intended me to. He gave yeah. me strengths and he gave me, you know, intelligence and giftings and all of these things that are valuable. Um, like you're not worthless yeah. by any means, but he intends to meet those needs and fill those gaps from things outside of you. Absolutely. If that makes sense. It, it like takes the pressure off this idea of, I have to be enough 
for for everything and I have to be able to handle everything on my own. And like you said, I think that that idea goes along with, oh, I don't need God and I don't need anyone. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you're saying. It isn't. So thank you for that clarification. Um, I did want to hit on another thing that stood out to me when I actually read Edward T. Welch's book, um, Shame Interrupted. And that is that it is natural for us to cling to our shame. It's not Mm -hmm. natural to surrender our shame to Jesus. It's like there's a magnetic pull that makes us reluctant to turn away from our shame. And he talks about this by saying that shamed people are always so happy to guide other people out of their shame, to pour truth and life into other people. But then at night or whenever they're done, they always go back to their own prison of shame because that's home. That's what they're used to. And so why do you think that it's so natural for us to sit in our shame and go back to our shame? And it's so hard to get away from that. It's like a magnetic pull. I think for a couple of reasons. One, it's what we know. If if you have been living under that weight of shame for a long time, it's familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when you know it's bad, there's something that feels safer about what's familiar. Yeah. Uh, there's kind of a comfort in that, even if you know it's not right. Um, and I think it's just, it's a, it's powerful. And oh, yeah it is painful to take the risk to step outside of that. Like that risk, uh, you talked about rejection earlier. And I think we all feel that it's so scary to think that if people really knew me, if they really saw what was going on, that would be it. Like game over, I'm alone. And so it's easier to keep that stuff hidden. Um, rather than believe that we all kind of have that stuff. Yeah. Like we all have it in one way or another. Um, and it's just a really powerful liar that says you really are garbage. Like, yeah, we believe it. And you had said talking about keeping it hidden, then that kind of goes into, well, part of finding freedom from that would be exposing mm-hmm. it. And that can be so painful and something that, um, I have really thought about a lot along these lines when it comes to shame in my life. A lot of the times it's, it's in my thought life Mm -hmm. and it will be thinking thoughts that are not healthy for me to sit in and going back to them. And these thoughts are rooted in shame and resulting in a lot of shame in my life. But I think that, Oh, it's familiar and I can control it. So if my mind goes back to these, painful, shameful thoughts, instead of seeking freedom and truth in the Lord, then it's okay. I can handle it. And I'm familiar mm-hmm. with it. Um, so that's something that I think of a lot and that I think that's why this quote um, stood out to me so much in this book. But yeah, I think that we should jump into kind of explaining to women, how do we actually recognize the shame in our lives? Um, and where is shame lurking in our lives? So whenever you were speaking on this last year. You mentioned um, quite a few areas that shame is known to really lurk in our lives. So do you want to name some of those so that women can kind of identify those? 
Yeah, yeah. And I think if you are wondering, like, is there shame in my life? Am I struggling in some area? Think for a few minutes about uh, what is one thing or an area of your life that if other people found out about it, that you would be devastated? Or, mm. you know, what is one secret that you have? Or, yeah, just an area of your thought life or something you engage in that if other people knew, it would just be like the worst. Yeah. There's probably shame there because that's <laughs> oh, yeah. the that's the wanting to hide so that people don't see like don't look at that dirt. Mm-hmm. I'm still shiny and pretty. Like everything's okay. Yeah. And so that's a big indicator. Anything that you don't want other people to know about is a big red flag. But um shame can hide out in all sorts of places and it's as I go through this list, I am not in any way saying that you should feel shame, that these are shameful things and you should feel badly. But when we have these struggles in our lives, often shame is linked in with it. So depression, eating disorders and body image issues, anxiety, self-harm, withdrawing from people, addiction. We've talked quite a bit about that overperforming and Mm. perfectionism. Um, any kind of sexual sin or issues with sexuality. If you have experienced abuse or mistreatment or um, prejudice for any reason, Mm. that can breed shame. Um, Fearing being exposed as a failure or a fraud. Times when you're really doubting God's love and forgiveness. Um, Or even, yeah, like, unforgiveness for yourself or others, any kind of self-destructive or self-sabotaging behavior, all of that usually has shame as part of that cycle tied into it. Oh, yeah. As you're reading those, I think that um, for me lately, the Lord has been kind of pointing out that the shame in my life most often has to do with anxiety or results in a feeling of anxiety or even just uneasiness Mm -hmm. for no apparent reason. Um, But then also I was talking about overperforming earlier or even um, just going through phases of my life where I've seriously doubted my worth after a specific event or after a specific rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, They can, shame can definitely be tied to certain events. And I definitely see that in my life. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what do we do with that list? Like, what do we do now? Um, I'd like to first go into, okay, what does culture say that we're supposed to do with these? Um, because that was something you talked about last year that I just thought was so good and like, this needs to be heard. And so what does culture say first? And then we'll dive into how we should actually address these. I think depending on what part of culture you're looking into oh, yeah. it, we hear different messages about shame. I think sometimes we hear the message of don't let anyone shame you. It's not real. Like just believe in yourself mm-hmm. and believe that you are perfect exactly as you are. And if you believe that strongly enough, you won't have these feelings anymore. Um, you can deny that it even exists or um, you're great and awesome. So treat yourself. Right. Yeah. Isn't that like a, <laughs> Uh, that's what I want to do when I want to <laughs> deal with shame myself. I like to treat myself uh, to make myself feel better. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and we kind of talked a bit about just believing that you are enough and that you um, are capable of handling and fixing and just changing your feelings yeah. and just, how you live with it on confident. your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are all really kind of quick fixes. And I remember you talking about um, how shame just rarely responds to quick fixes. It's like a Band-Aid we can slap on there and then it it gets ripped off and mm-hmm. it's not it's not permanent. Um, and it's kind of all these different, all these fixes are based around our self-esteem, mm-hmm. I feel like most of the time. And self-esteem talks and all of that stuff, oh, I just feel like for the most part, it's so temporary. It can be so beneficial for a short amount of time and then it fades away. Um, Yeah. One of the things Ed Welch says in his book is that because shame is a spiritual problem, Mm. it requires a spiritual solution. Yeah. And I just don't know that, yeah, that the Band-Aids are that spiritual solution that we need. I think that solution is the gospel. Yeah. And I think that um, another thing that he had said going along those same lines was that um, our ties to a person or to an event that has made us feel contaminated and shameful um, is not like a literal chain that can just be broken. It is a Mm -hmm. soul tie, which makes it spiritual and calls for that spiritual solution. Um, And there's one more quote I wanted to read, and then we're going to jump into the second episode and really dive into, okay, what does that spiritual solution look like? Um, But there's a quote that stood out to me that I wanted to throw in here at the end, and that is, we must recognize where our shame comes from and run to it or and run it to the one who has taken on our sin and shame to change us and our identity into what now reflects a woman who belongs and has been changed by Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. And the second one is okay, how do we actually pursue this spiritual solution and what does that look like? So anything else you wanted to add before we jump into that? I don't think so. I think we'll keep rolling. All righty, guys. Make sure to go listen to that. Take a little break if you need to. Come back to it. But definitely listen to the second one.